listening to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio is proudly supported by Glenn's Garden Market, a local grocery store, deli, and craft beer bar with stores in DuPont Circle at 20th and S Streets and Shaw at 8th and Florida. Good food from close by. Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Welcome to Pineapple Radio on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm Atara. And I'm your other host, Ariel. And we're the founders of Pineapple, an online-offline community of 20,000 women who pine for food in each other. We produce events in D.C., New York, and soon San Francisco that celebrate our collective identities with food. We also create some sweet digital content on our blog where we peek into the kitchens of women we pine for. We just published Carla Hall's Kitchen this morning, and it's absolutely transcendent. Check it out at pineapplecollaborative.com and let us know what you think. Also, a fun treat, we've got a weekly newsletter where we share news, stories, photography, and more on women moving and shaking in food. You can sign up by heading to our website, pineapplecollaborative.com slash join. So here's what we're doing on Pineapple Radio. Each week, we invite two women we pine for, aka women we admire, to discuss a particular topic on food. We'll be using radio as a platform for women in the food community to explore their values, culture, history, identity, style around food. And then at the end of the show, our dear friend and founding team member Jordan Miller will lead us in a Spitfire interview to get to know our guests even better and get a deeper look into what and who they pine for. So you'll be hearing Jordan's voice towards the end of the show. Before we dig into our topic and our guests today, um, since Ariel and I both really believe that our kitchens are a more accurate expression of our style than even our closets, each week we're going to share a woman-made product that we've been into. So without further ado, Ariel, can you share a woman-made food product that you've been digging this week? Totally. Uh, Diaspora turmeric, which is uh, single-origin turmeric directly imported from India, supporting farmers there, um, started by a woman named Sana who's based in Oakland, California. Awesome. As for me, I've been munching on Aida snacks, um, started by two women who have a bar in Brooklyn, and they created these like bar snacks, essentially, and people were really obsessed with them, so they started packaging them. And they have this sourdough cracker that is so delicious, so highly encourage all of you to get it. It's available at Glen's Garden Market in D.C. And the rye crackers are pretty bomb, too. Yes. <laughs> So without further ado, we're really excited to have you on our show today, and we've got uh, two uh, special guests who have been long supporters of Pineapple, one for you know many, many years, and the other uh, since we started here in D.C. about two and a half years ago. So we're thrilled to have uh, Shelly Porges and Elaine Chon Baker with us uh, here in the studio today. Hi. Hi. It's Hi, great ladies. to be here. Um, you'll learn more about them in just a second, but you know the context for this show is um, about you know is inspired from the pineapple community, and we have a really active 
uh, Facebook group, a private Facebook group where our community shares ideas, asks questions, and um, you know, really is there to support each other with learnings. And uh, there are so many entrepreneurial women and entrepreneurial women in the pineapple community striving to create or grow their amazing food and beverage businesses. And uh, there was an amazing thread on our Facebook group where people were wanting to learn, like, how do I grow my business from an idea to a fully funded uh, business that achieves scale and, you know, maybe grows beyond D.C.? And so, you know, we all know that uh, great ideas are the starting point, but execution alongside financial sustainability and profitability are key. And that's why we've invited our two guests here today to really walk us through um, how we as businesswomen can achieve that. Yeah, and in addition to the nuts and bolts of growing, scaling, financing the business, As the pineapple community knows well, a woman's relationship with and identity in food has evolved majorly in the last few decades, Um, heck, even in the last few years. And so we're no longer just homemakers or even consumers, but rather we're creating the next generation of amazing food companies from restaurants to packaged goods to farms. And more of us are in leadership positions than ever before and growing at such a fast rate. Um, And we're hustling to establish and grow our businesses big and small. So the focus of this episode is how do we empower women to take care of business such that they are able to set up financial success and can scale their businesses. We'll cover the fundamentals of your financials to seeking investment, and we're gonna explore how to unlock the food businesswoman in us all. Awesome. So to introduce our two guests, I'm gonna start with uh, Shelly Porges. She is a serial entrepreneur, investor, global entrepreneurship advocate for women. She was the senior advisor for global entrepreneurship to Hillary Clinton while she was at the State Department. And currently, she's the president of the North American Jury for Cartier's Women Initiative Awards, the largest business playing competition in the world with uh, $1 million in prize money. Also, she is my mother, and um, the, I'd say, primary reason for Pineapple's existence, uh, always encouraging me to meet other women and explore my passion. So and created into a business. So really excited to have her on the air, sharing all of her knowledge and um, mentorship as well. Then uh, we have Elaine Chon Baker, uh, who has also been an incredible pineapple supporter. She is a restaurant and food tech investor with her own fund, Mokja Ventures. And she's invested in some of DC's Uh, you know, some of our favorite DC-based women-owned spots like Tiffany McIsaac's Buttercream Bake Shop, Kelly Phillips and Megan Barnes's Espita Mezcaleria, as well as uh, Elena Regan's Pub Kitsune in Chicago, um, plus food tech companies and other uh, food spots across the country. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Awesome. So Let's dig into this conversation, and each of you comes with so much experience, knowledge, and we want to learn from you. So can, you, can we start out um, understanding from your perspective, you know, what is, what is this entrepreneurial ecosystem like for women, and, um, you know, what do we need to know as budding businesswomen? 
Um, you know, this is Shelley. Glad to be here. It's really exciting. Um, you know, the, the the entrepreneurial ecosystem, particularly for women in food, is amazing. W- women have been starting businesses um, at a much faster rate than men for at least uh, five to seven years now. Um, even as overall the net national rate has been going down, women still have been starting businesses faster. And most recently, we were seeing that women in food are starting businesses about twice the rate of men, which is exciting and you know something that you know may not surprise us because as you in uh, pineapple have identified, women really uh, see food in their lives as something more than just something that nourishes them personally, but really as an expression, something that they feel passionate about, something that they want to stay engaged in. And so um, when I uh, recently saw that statistic, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, having said that, um, the ecosystem and in general, the, you know, the world uh, offers up challenges to all entrepreneurs in general, and we can talk about those, but then also, of course, some more specific to ones to women entrepreneurs, and we can't uh, ignore the fact that even as we go through life, there, there are differences that we put on ourselves, and then there are differences, gender bias differences um, in the framework and the paradigm, and one of the things I like to do when I... Uh, promote various uh, resources and so forth on social media is to hashtag it change the paradigm because I really do think it's not just about changing the women. The women are amazing. They're creative, they're strong, they're persistent, they're smart, but um, often the paradigm is what's really blocking our progress. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, to add to that, um, also women in food it's exploding, it's trending, it's everything. There's a certain confidence that we all have when we talk about food and beverage. Um, And I feel that the more women I talk to, you can feel their energy, their excitement, and their confidence is growing. And so they're able to start their own businesses. And they're able to go ahead and take the next step towards um, building a new company, um, testing out a new product, uh, opening up their own restaurant. Um, A confidence I haven't seen in the past, but is definitely there now. And so we just have to keep pushing that forward so we can keep growing. Yeah, and one of the things that occurs to me is um, thanks to organizations like Pineapple that's elevating and celebrating women who um, have had success but still sharing their stories, you know, their sort of roller coaster stories of entrepreneurship, you know, both the good times and the bad times, um, stand as role models for other women. So as we see, uh, you know, Christina Tosi being so successful, two James Beard Awards, et cetera, or many others, um, you know, we realize that, hey, well, you know, as Christina shared in one of her pineapple, you know, events, um, you know, she didn't always start as a big success, and she shared all of her challenges and, and the moments where she lacked confidence. And I, and I think seeing that, hearing that helps us get over our own uh, fears and, and, and move forward. Yeah. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And you know, I think we want to st- now turn to fundamentals uh, because like we mentioned earlier on the show, um, you know, many of us have great ideas, whether uh, those are just ideas or we've started up in a very small way. And, you know, how does one go from, um, you know, if you have a startup from an idea to a seed stage and onward, can you like walk us through you know, what we need to know in order to run with our idea in a successful way. Um, It's fantastic if you're serious about taking your idea to the next stage, because we all have ideas, but not everybody acts on it. 
Um, but having said that, it's really critical to start with a big idea. What does that mean? That means uh, thinking about a problem or that you can solve a big problem that you can solve that someone is willing to pay for. In fact, many someones are willing to pay for because if someone, if you don't have a customer willing to pay for your idea, for your product or service or offering, then you don't really have a business. Your mom may think it's great. Your, you know, your cousin may think it's cool, but you know, it's not a business. So it's critical that one, you start with a big idea because if it's not big to start with, then um, you won't ever be able to scale it. And two, that you know you have already t- begun to test the market by talking to customers, if not actually selling it, to determine whether or not uh, you can, you know, that that it has the potential to, for, to be a scalable business. Yeah. And so one of the things I always ask um, people that are interested in starting their own um, companies is think about the big picture. Just don't think about like what's in front of you, but think about the future and think about the different opportunities that you can um, bring to the market. Think about the different audiences you can grow because um, this is all very important in how you scale. You know, just having a great idea isn't much. It's just an idea, <laughs> which I think is like the ongoing um, challenges for an entrepreneur. Um, but when you think about the big picture, just don't think about DC. Think about, well, how does this translate into other markets? And But let me incubate my idea here, grow it, test it, talk to people about it. Let everyone try it, you know, and, and you'll build a group of super fans that will become either your future partners, investors, or customers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So a follow-up to that, which is um, talking about the minimum viable product, or as uh, an investor I met with earlier this week said, uh, an optimum minimum viable product. It's been upgraded. Uh, and uh, what does that mean to you, and how should you know, the pineapple community be thinking about that? Um, a minimum viable product, or MVP as we refer to it, um, is essentially the essence of what you have to offer. And uh, I know, let's use pineapple as an example. It's a great example. It's a community of over 20,000 women today, but, you know, um, don't know that Ariel ever told the story on air. But pineapple started because she was looking for a community of women in the food industry because that's what, you know, that's what she cared about and wanted to find other women. And when she met various other women when she first moved back to D.C., what she discovered is that they didn't know each other but would love to and had a, you know, 30-person potluck dinner so it started small but you know over less than three years it's grown phenomenally because there's this tremendous demand for for, for community for sharing insights ideas lessons learned etc and for celebrating women which is the other thing that I think pineapple does so well so you know starting small uh, but you know to determine whether there's a, an opportunity for the idea to resonate and then building on that small idea and then looking at who else is offering and what are they offering, how are we different, and how do we you know, retain that difference uh, to continue to serve the audience well. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about an idea is um, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, I think a lot of women strive, or, well, I will just say myself, like sometimes I feel like I have to have the perfect situation, the perfect idea, the perfect, everything set up exactly the way I think it should be and it one, it delays my ability to execute on an idea. Two, um, I'm unable to accept rejection as much because <laughs> I thought it was perfect. Um, and three, um, as my one boss told me one time, he said, "Don't polish the turd." <laughs> so, <laughs> which 
<laughs> but it, it's a very, it, it, once I let that settle in, um, I realized he was telling me, like, you have something good out there. Like, don't try to keep, like, perfecting it and polishing it until it's actually non-existent anymore. And so, um, so sometimes you do have to put yourself out there and, and, and accept the, you know, constructive criticism and, you know, the feedback that people give you about your idea. To but, but also accept the opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I, I can reflect back on one of my uh, opportunities in my past career. I started my career in the corporate world in the financial services space. And uh, I was, had the opportunity to get promoted to, you know, the biggest job I'd ever had about 13 years in. Um, and, and I recall, and I wasn't self-aware enough then to appreciate what I was doing, but now in retrospect I can say I was essentially trying to talk my boss into, out of giving me a promotion. Effectively, that's, I kept saying to him, well, you know, I don't have this and I have, don't have experience with that. And he says, yes, I know. Well, think of this as a private tutorial. You know? And he kept giving me all the reasons. He was never going to take no for an answer. But, so he saw in me things, even though I never thought of myself as not confident, but he saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And finally, I realized, you know, I, I need to jump into this with two feet and all my brains and every other bit of enthusiasm and sweat I could offer here to uh, you know, make this great. And so... Uh, uh, but, you know, we do that to ourselves. We, we, we kind of uh, bring ourselves down and, and, to your point, Elaine, you know, looking, you know, tr- think, well, I'm not perfect yet for that opportunity. You know, if someone else thinks you're perfect, you're perfect. <laughs> <laughs> totally. That's great advice and actually great segue into the next question. Um, so, Elaine, I'll lob this at you first and then, Shelley, I'm interested in your take as well. Um, but, you know, historically and culturally, you know, we know that men have been conditioned in such a way that gives them a leg up in this space. And so what are some of the gender biases that prohibit us from succeeding? And more broadly, what are the top three things that women should take into account when growing and scaling their business? Oh, wow. It's a big Um, question. (laughs) (laughs) So I am one of seven girls in my family, so there were no boys. (laughs) Um, But there was there was a feeling of you're not a boy and so and so just starting from there um, we were always trying to prove I mean as as and still trying to prove that I am just as competent or equal as someone else Um, the gender biases are there they are changing um, because of great women that are leading movements to help turn the conversations um, change the paradigm all these things are happening um, for women in food and for women in every other industry, um, but it is a it is a big challenge. Um, we are going against hundreds of years of um, gender inequality, which is you know. But we're moving towards every day. I think there's like little victories, and I and I and I do believe that we have to appreciate the little victories um, because that helps us to keep stay motivated to move forward. Um, now, for women um, in food that want to start their own businesses, like the three things that they should understand is understand your financials. Um, you know, I talk to people, and sometimes they say, "Oh, I, you know, my business partner is going to take care of that." Well, you need to be the person that is able to take care of things and understand them. Have a great accountant, have great business partners, but you personally need to understand. Um, how your business works and how you make money and how you lose money. Um, so that's my biggest thing is understand your financials. You don't have to be an expert, but you have to understand them so you can make good decisions. Um, also, uh, know your audience. 
Um, so if you're targeting a certain audience, then your experience and what you do should deliver that same, um, should meet your audience's needs and will hopefully meet your financial goals also. And the third thing, um, which I, I think is really important, is that you have to be able to pay yourself. So your idea has to be strong enough, your concept has to be strong enough that you are able to pay yourself. Um, when you are not being paid and when you are struggling financially, you make emotional decisions that can have a major impact on your company and your brand. And so as you're building your, you know, your P&Ls, your pro formas, you know, when, as you're building your idea, you have to understand where you can be paid. And so I think that's absolutely critical. So, so, important. I, so I guess it's all money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I met an entrepreneur a few weeks ago who she's, you know, five years into her business and is still not paying herself. And, That's uh, hard. That's yeah. really hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a very stressful environment to grow a business in. Yeah. And, and sometimes you have to stop. You have to, I mean, it's, I don't, I wouldn't call it, maybe it's failure, maybe it's quitting, whatever it is. But if you've put in a lot of time and energy and you've tested it and it's not going faster than you want it to go and you're not able to pay yourself, then maybe it's time to pivot. It's, mm. it's okay to pivot. It's mm-hmm. okay to pivot. Totally. What do you think, Shelley? Well, let me start with the scaling question first and come back to the gender bias uh, question that you had in there. Um, I, and build a little bit on what Elaine said as well. Um, the, very critically, uh, you know, taking the financial, understanding financials is one thing, and, and certainly, you know, uh, if you've either taken accounting and other finance courses, is a good start. And, you know, if you've actually worked for a business, that's also, that can be helpful. But as you're, you need to understand how you make money, period, you know. And uh, related to that, you need to have established both milestones and metrics. One of the things I always loved about business, because I was a, a math geek as a kid, you know, um, is uh, that there were straightforward ways to, you know, measure whether or not what I was doing was successful. I mean, did I get more customers? Was I making more money? Um, you know, there's a whole array of things. But what are the critical drivers of your success? Understand your business model, which simply means how do you make money? So it's not what's your idea, what's your big idea, but how does that big idea translate to actually making money? And then what are the metrics and milestones, which is what investors really look for? What are the metrics and milestones that you can commit to, or at least work toward, um, that for yourself first and foremost, and keep yourself and your business partners and team accountable, but also that eventually, as you look to potentially get investors, the investors can count on you for as well, because that is what investors look for. Uh, they want to know that you've got a reliable source of revenue that eventually translates to profits that will eventually pay them back for what they put into your business. Uh, and the eventually could be a short time frame or, or for an early stage startup, usually it's a longer term. So, 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 you know, that's kind of building what, on what Elaine said around the financials and that sort of thing. Um, I, I do think the other key piece that we don't talk very much about, and, and I'll, I'll give a shout out to one of our local organizations for doing a great job with helping women in a minute, but um, the other piece is how is what you're doing different 
and how are you protecting that difference? So in many cases, if you're offering a service or you have a restaurant or that kind of a business, a service business, it's hard to protect all of the unique points of difference that you have. Maybe it's in your service quality, and that means that you're investing a lot in training and so forth. Maybe it's in the actual branding, you know, meaning the, the design elements around your brand. Whatever it is, recognize that there are, there are a whole array of ways of protecting the investments you're making. And when I use investment here, I'm not just talking about money, but time and, and effort and, and thought process that you've put into developing what is your intellectual property, essentially, your IP, as we call it. Now, Beacon DC, which is a fantastic community here locally for women, uh, supporting women in business here, uh, had last year, and I believe they're planning to, um, uh, I've been encouraging them to repeat, something called uh, 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 you know, Startup Law 101, which gave you a full array of one-day session on everything from patents to trademarks to registers to copyrights so that you could, as an early business, uh, you know, early stage business owner, you could, you could become smart about this. So check out Beacon DC. I think it's a great local resource. Last but not least, I'll comment on the gender aspect of this. So, um, you know, when, when we say that women are different than men, because one of the things is men do often start their businesses with bigger ideas. And if you have started out with a bigger idea, guess what? It's going to be more scalable to begin with. So start with a big idea. That'll be your first best thing to do. Second of all, um, you know, around that idea, mobilize others. No one has ever accomplished anything on their own. You have to have other people. And what we always like to say is you can have it all. You just can't do it all. Okay, so you need others to help you. And, you know, if uh, I recently read this great thing, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Get a lot of smart people. There are lots of people who are smarter than you and all kinds of things that you will need to start your business. So whether it's product knowledge, whether it's sales knowledge, whether it's tech knowledge, whether it's finance knowledge, whatever it may be, mobilize the best team of people, whether it's advisors or actually on your team in whatever ways you can to, to realize your dream. Um, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I also Great think advice. that like Pineapple and there are other groups and there's nowadays there's so much more on offer for women to learn from other women. And I think that's like one of those important things is learn from your peers, learn from, you know, ask to have a meeting with someone if you're curious about learning about something. This, you know, the the interest in learning and the desire to keep growing is vitally important. Um, to being successful, and so I mean, I love talking to Shelley because I'm always learning. And when I talk to, when I listen to, when I go to pineapple events and I talk to the different women in there, and I listen to the panels and the speakers, it's always inspiring for me. And and so I am a, a, a believer in lifelong learning, and that's how we will grow, and and that's how we'll get better too. Yeah, I agree. I I, I want to share with you a quick thing. Um, about 10 years ago, I chaired a, a nonprofit that was the leading catalyzer of growth for women-owned businesses at the time. And uh, w the program that we offered was called Make Mine a Million. Uh, and it's because only 2.4% of women-owned businesses ever get to a million dollars in revenue, and we wanted many more businesses to do that. So we, we targeted women who had successful businesses but were stuck. And when we asked them, what were the most important things for you for the win? So we had a lot of, after a year, we had a lot of, started having a lot of success with women breaking through. About 30% of women got to the million-dollar mark as contrast to 2.4%. And what they told us was really important to them was, first, this whole notion of thinking bigger. They said, oh, I was at 350 and stuck for six years. And then I realized if I want a million-dollar business, that's three times. Oh, i got to think bigger. So number one was that. Number two was... 
Um, having someone to be accountable for, so we had a coaching thing. So have someone that you're accountable to, even if you don't have a board that you're accountable to, but if you set out goals, make sure you come back and think about, do I change my goals? Is the, or if I haven't achieved them, why is that? And then the last thing is what Elaine just said, which is, we, though we offered lots of online resources and other really professional services, they said the biggest learning they had was from their peers. And their peers, not necessarily in their businesses, but other women who had gone through. So how do I fire some? How do I, you know, what kind of technology is best for a service business that's different from a product business and so forth? So they really found that these things were, you know, what helped them get the breakthroughs. That's awesome advice across the board. This is Pineapple Radio. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back in just a second. Music here is by Morris. Beautiful song called Breakfast at Richmond's from his record debut. And Full Service Radio is supported by Glen's Garden Market, a climate progress motivated grocery store, deli, and craft beer bar with stores in DuPont Circle at 20th and S Streets and Shaw at 8th and Florida. Glenn's addresses climate change by improving access to local, sustainable food producers. In five years, they've launched 80 small local food businesses. It's good food from close by. For more information, visit glensgardenmarket.com. This is Pineapple Radio. We are discussing taking care of business with Elaine Chone Baker and Shelley Porges. Uh, our our friend and founding team member Ann Yang. Uh, one thing she says about being an entrepreneur that she loves so much is that she has the opportunity to ask anyone questions, and you know she will fully own. She doesn't know what she's doing per se, and being able to ask someone her her peer or someone with 20 years or 50 years of experience and get their advice she says that's the best part of being an entrepreneur so uh and we agree yeah uh you know using your existing network and going out there to events or online forums and asking questions and being interested and engaged i think that leads to so many findings learnings and develops you as a person as a businesswoman I mean that's a huge part of why we started pineapple so leading into our next question which is you know after the idea stage after the minimum viable product and you've got something going um, you know and you need more cash you need more capital and help us understand the multiple ways that we can fund our businesses and so you know one thing you all highlighted in our little chat before the radio is that most of us are primed to think about going to investors first and thinking about getting capital in that way. But uh, can you talk about the spectrum of options? And um, Elaine, I'm going to have you kick it off as an investor uh, because I think certainly people come to you when they're at 
totally different stages of their businesses and sometimes you need to say you need to go back to drawing board you need to test out this concept more before you come to me yeah so um I think that when you decide to take on investment, that is, you know, that is the pinnacle. Like you're like, you want a very serious legal agreement. You want financial. Uh, you have to do certain things with the SEC. I mean, there's big things that are associated with investing. It's not just taking a check. Um, so, I believe the people that have been creative in finding funding, you know, tend to be a little bit more creative in, you know. In the way they think about how to run a business, um, what you now tend to see is that people are turning to GoFundMe, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, um, all those different types of um, crowdsourced um, fundraising um, to a build um, build fans because they're kind of built in. Because in order, if you uh, give a hundred dollars to the concept, then in return you'll get X, Y, and Z. So you build in fans that way pretty quickly. Um, and there is great success. There is a tax liability that everyone should be aware about. You just, just don't get the money. Um, but that is one of the, um, I think, broad ways of raising some capital um, quickly because you have a time frame and you have a, you have a product, you have a, a reward, and you have a time frame. So that's one way. Um, friends and family. You know, if your friends and family aren't going to invest in you, then you should probably think about how you're handling your business. Um, investing is is kind of the end game. It's it's when you're really ready to grow, when you're really taking on a lot of money, and you have um, and you have a a restaurant or a product that is really ready to grow. Um, but it is it is more complicated. There is definitely legal implications and financial implications, and so so it takes a little bit more of a savvy operator in some ways. It's not just hey, I need some money. Can you give me money? So great. Well, let me build on what Elaine said. So she mentioned a few things like um, friends and family, crowdfunding, etc., and then eventually investments. Um, just to build on that, uh, I would say, well, first and foremost, of course, you're going to use your own funds. Let's be clear here. Uh, if you don't have skin in the game, nobody else is going to really want to put skin in the game. And recognizing that, you know, many women and you know, and other underserved communities uh, don't have a lot of their personal uh, resource to put in, uh, that that is a challenge. But you know, what you have, you need to be thinking about that. Second of all, consider things like grants. Um, earlier, Ariel mentioned in introducing me that I'm, uh, uh, you know, have been working with Cartier, the uh, luxury jewelry company that has over for over a decade supported women innovators from all over the world and they are today the largest business plan competition in the world so if you believe that you have a really innovative business model um, and that has uh, impact uh, as well uh, then uh, consider applying to Cartier it's a million dollars of awards every year and that's a grant that means that you don't have to pay it back that is all money into your business that the there are six winners from each of six regions of, of the world, each of whom gets 100000 each, which is real money. Uh, and then the two runners-up in each of the regions, meaning another 12 women, get 30000 each. So, so it's real. Now, having said that, Cartier, of course, is not the only grant competition, and there are many of them 
most of them open to women, uh, and some of them exclusively focused on women. So consider grants. Secondly, think about um, uh, opportunities like we're about soon to get in D.C. I just yesterday got a notice, uh, an announcement, that uh, the D.C. government is looking to create an innovation fund for underserved entrepreneur, entrepreneurs in the D.C. community. Uh, and uh, asked me for some input on their ideas there. But, uh, you know, the bottom line, the exciting thing is that within the next year, there will be an extra fund for D.C.-based entrepreneurs here. Um, and uh, last but not least, think about other government resources. If you're about to open a restaurant or any other kind of uh, business that's going to require some, particularly one that's going to require real estate, SBA loans and, and guarantees will help you find uh, uh, money that is uh, uh, lower cost money than you will otherwise have. And in fact, the SBA has um, over 100 around the country, over 100 centers that are women-focused uh, centers, uh, essentially incubators for women um, to help them start and grow their businesses. So look at uh, government resources like the SBA and soon to come the DC Innovation Fund. And DC also has um, money set aside for uh, companies that hire the majority of DC workers as well as their Main Streets um, grant that they have. I can't remember all the details, but supposedly DCRA has put everything online for your, for your information. Um, yeah. yeah, so but there are definitely other resources now that we've talked about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so consider that there are an array of resources that you could possibly tap uh, depending on the nature of your business and how far along. But last but not least, which is what I really should have said first, first and foremost should always come customer revenues. There's nothing that will help you grow more than your ability to drive customer revenues, whoever your target audience is. And by the way, uh, we didn't mention bank loans. Banks are, of course, a very important source. Banks and fintech these days, uh, there's a lot of small business fintech where you can apply online for loans, are critical. But you know what? Don't be surprised when you can't get a loan if you haven't demonstrated some customer traction. So again, coming back to it, it should always start with the customers and build out from there. Thank you. That's all such great advice. Ariel and I are taking notes on all of this. We're going to share these resources in the recap, um, but thank you. We have one last question for each of you. Um, for Elaine, we would really love to hear anecdotes about why you invested in the businesses that you did. And from Shelly, we want to hear about uh, examples of women entrepreneurs that are completely crushing the game. You don't want to hear about the restaurant I invested in years ago that failed? You can. Yeah, that's, I didn't know that story. Let's talk about a success story. Yes, Elaine, you, you first. Go ahead. So um, I, I want to talk about Tiffany McIsaac and Buttercream Bake Shop. So not only did she um, create these beautiful um, uh, pastries for um, the team today um, for Valentine's Day and Valentine's Day. They're um, amazing. Um, which we'll They're post beautiful. photos on Instagram. On our uh, stories. On the story. They're brownies, I think, with portraits of awesome women from the likes of Michelle Obama to Mindy Kaling. Chrissy yeah, Teigen. Chrissy Teigen. RBG. Amazing. Yeah. So um, when I first met Tiffany, she said, oh, I want to open up my own bakery. I'm like, okay, you know, sure. So she provided, um, you know, the business plan, the financials, and um, and the subscription agreements, our review, all that stuff. Um, it, it looked great. You know, it looked, you know, conservative numbers. So I was like, okay, that's good that you um, took from your experience of working at um, 
Buzz Bake Shop for many years, you translated that into how you would run your own company. Um, but the thing that impressed me most about Tiffany was when, whenever I talked to her, I felt this great energy and this great passion without her saying the P word, <laughs> which is one of my, which is one of the things that I don't like is when someone just says, oh, I have a passion for baking. I have a passion for cooking. Well, that's great. I should feel it. I should feel it like into my inner core that you really want to start this company, run it, operate, and and continue to grow it. Um, so Tiffany was one of the, one of those examples of um, numbers look great, but the but the feeling, the gut feeling I got about her was even better. Um, she impressed me in so many different ways with her ability to first of all execute an amazing product, and secondly to you know understand how her numbers work and how she can grow and where she might where she might have a slow period and where she might um, have any challenges. Um, the greatest thing about Tiffany is that she has returned three quarters of her investment to her investors in 18 months. It's very which, impressive. Which is amazing. Um, but it, it just proves that she works hard, has a great team working with her, um, and she keeps hustling. You know, it's not, I've made it, great, done. It's constantly innovating, constantly looking at what's happening trend-wise, especially for for the food market. It is quite trendy. And so people are like, oh, no, we're gluten-free, but no, tomorrow we're water-free. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's how do you keep... How do you keep up with things without um, sacrificing quality and innovation? And so, um, so I'm really proud to be an investor in Tiffany. Everyone, go to buttercream immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly, what about you? Um, so you want the? Uh, Could be either businesses you've invested in, or just entrepreneurs that you're really pining for. Um, well, you know, I, I did want to comment because we, we always associate the word passion, like you said, with entrepreneurs and as an investor. You want to see someone who's really excited about what they're doing. But remember, the other side of passion is also important, which is pain. Uh, which, and by that I mean if you're alleviating a pain, that's also a good source of a business. So whether it's health foods or, you know, recently Pineapple did an event on weed and for some people that's medicinal. But alleviating pain, now you may feel passionate about alleviating pain, but don't forget there's the side which is a bakery, and you go to the bakery, and not only does Tiffany feel passionate about it, we do too because we look at what she's doing, we taste what she's doing, we experience her experience, and, you know, we couldn't be more excited on the other side of that are, are, are women who are, have businesses based on leaving pain. And one of those pain points that I recently um, uh, you know, discovered an entrepreneur who I'm very excited about, uh, it's, it's a company called Hatch, H-A-T-C-H, um, started by a woman who's an architect who is in the uh, you know, gig economy. She was working on her own as an architect. Uh, became pregnant with her first child and realized, hey, guess what? There are no co-working spaces with childcare. Um, and she said, I can do that. So she got passionate about alleviating the pain of for all those young early parents who um, are in the gig economy, who are working in co-working spaces, who realize that you know this dearth of daycare. And Hatch will be opening its first two locations in, in the fall, one in Northern Virginia, one in D.C., Stay tuned for the locations. Um, and I think it's going to be amazing. And on top of it, we've got this brilliant woman architect who uh, understands everything about women, what women want in spaces. 
um, and is designing the space with a, a, a you know experienced uh, childcare architectural firm um, to to make it uh, a great great place for women and men for all parents, uh, but also for uh, you know to to have an environment where you know you can be on site with your with your young child. Cool. Uh, we all have a lot to learn uh, from you two and uh, the entrepreneurs that you highlighted. And thank you both so much yes, for being on radio with us, sharing your insights and uh, mentorship on our Instagram. We said this was going to be airwave mentorship, and we really feel like that came across because you have been tremendous mentors to us and hope uh, you know you do the same with the pineapple community um what you do so thank you you know we think our takeaways from this conversation is one to think bigger always think bigger um to be accountable to someone uh, whether your team your advisors uh, your customers all of the above and three learning from your peers um it's the pine four philosophy at its core which is you know, admiring another woman for who she is, what she does, the products she makes, the business she runs, and we totally pine for you. Um, with that, I'm going to kick it off to Jordan Miller, um, one of our founding team members here at Pineapple, to lead the Spitfire interview to learn more about your personal food styles. Thanks, Arielle, um, and Shelly and Elaine, thank you guys so much for being here today and speaking with us. Um, you know, as a recent, um, relatively recent college grad, I think this conversation has been particularly meaningful and inspiring to me, um, so I'm excited to be here. Um, so to kick off the Spitfire interview, um, we'll start with you, Elaine, I guess. Um, so tell us a woman you pine for in food. So other than the pineapple founding team, <laughs> um, one of the women I pined for is Chef Joy Crump. She is a chef down in Fredericksburg, Virginia. She has two concepts. She's running two restaurants, and she is um, a partner in a brewing a brewery down there. Um, but she is doing so much more than just running. She's working with the community. She's helping nonprofits out. She does stuff with the James Beard Foundation, and she is an example of someone who has... Um, passion, who has spirit, who wants to give back, and and then and also makes amazing food. <laughs> and you, Shelley? Well, I have to cite my uh, travel partner in crime, my daughter Arielle, who's been traveling with me since a young age and has been passionate about food. I have to say, since she's a toddler, maybe soon, earlier than that, when she fell in love with sushi at two years old. <laughs> Um, but, you know, Arielle ex exhibits, um, uh, you know, a lot of creativity, and I've learned so much from her about food. I mean, I, you know, we all grow up with food, and you think that you know something, but it hasn't been my focus for my life, other than I've been a foodie, like many of you, um, and, try, you know, that, that in that way it's been a, a focus for me, but not certainly professionally. So, though I do have a master's degree from the Cornell Hotel School, <laughs> but uh, decided on a different path in my career. Uh, so I, she she really inspires me in her dedication and and, the, and and also the way she celebrates women, which has always been important to me as well. So I really appreciate her for that. I couldn't agree more, and I also pined for Tara, the other co-founder <laughs> right. of Pineapple. Um, so how about your favorite woman-made product? So right now, right now, today, my favorite woman-made product happens to be 
uh, ice cream jubilees roasted barley ice cream that uh, Victoria has made specifically for Lunar New Year. It reminds me of my childhood. My mom would make, we're Korean, so my mom would make boricha, which is barley tea, every morning. And so as kids, we would put tons of milk and sugar in it to make it palatable for our young, you know, our young tastes. And so when I tasted the ice cream the other day um, as part of her tasting, it just took me back to the past. It was great. It's fantastic. That's great. Well, I, I have a historical memory base, too, and I would say anything my mother ever made, my mother was an amazing cook. I was not, but my mother was an amazing cook. Um, and particularly her, uh, she made something called Malakoff tort, which is kind of like a tiramisu. It's like a Viennese tiramisu, if you can imagine that. Very delicious, very special. Um, on, on a more contemporary basis, I guess I would say... Um, you know, again, something that Ariel introduced me to, Christina Tosi, and her compost cookie is a favorite. Um, not that I get to eat it too often, which is a good thing for me, <laughs> my, but uh, for my, uh, you know, well balance. But uh, but when I do get to eat it, uh, it's delicious. It's great. And how about your favorite woman-led movement? Well, I guess the the OG of all women-led movements is probably the suffragette movement, which basically set the precedent for what what is now happening i mean even more so i guess if if the suffragette movement had social media it probably wouldn't have taken 80 years <laughs> to actually make change happen so um so that would be my my movement mm-hmm. well again um as before elaine inspires me to <laughs> say that uh, uh something i would uh said uh, but building on that uh Certainly my, the movement now of women engaged in politics is someone, myself, who has worked with Hillary Clinton for years and was very much a part of her campaign, launching something called Entrepreneurs for Hillary. Um, you know, we, we, despite our tremendous disappointment at the end, the, the fact that we mobilize a majority of women to drive this election, to donate money, go out and volunteer, go, you know, vote, um, and now, most excitingly, uh, to run for office. Uh, one great statistic is that today we have 20, over 20,000 women running for office all over the country, ranging from school boards to everything up to governor, senator, etc. And the same time, uh, at, during the last cycle, during our last election cycle, we had 900 women. So we went from 900 wow. to 20,000. So if you think that we haven't had an impact here, um, we're going to see a revolution. Not all those women will win, but count on it. We're changing the face of politics, and we're going to change the face of how this country is run. Woo-hoo. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so we want to dig into your kitchens now quickly. Your go-to pantry item. Olive oil, garlic, salt. <laughs> I'm nuts about nuts. I add nuts to everything. Um, I really love the whole array. There's, I don't think there's any nut that... Never met a nut I didn't like. <laughs> and I edit everything. And your staple fridge item? Uh, probably Kerrygold salted butter. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love dill. And dill is an interesting herb, I think, because it's both Nordic and Slavic. And so you can add it to a whole array of... And for me, when you add dill to almost anything, whether it's a fish dish, a salad, a soup, or whatever, it just makes it perfect. Great. And one action someone in the Pine Mill community can take on this topic that we've been speaking on today? 
Uh, so probably the biggest action I think is that um, based on what we've talked about, um, think about what you need in your life to help you grow and reach out to someone who can help you. Um, it could be Shelly, it could be me, it could be another pineapple person, um, it could be a friend, but just start t having more conversations so you can learn more and grow. Yeah, I think for your business to grow, I agree that you have to grow. But beyond, and beyond that, you know, the thing that we ignore in this whole thing is because we're so intent is the balance that we have to achieve. And I think it's very critical as the engines of our own businesses that we have balance in our lives, that we have wonderful developed relationships with others that are warm and supportive and, you know, love, loving, as well as um, taking time out for ourselves and taking some downtime that's away from our businesses so that we can be fresh and focused when we get back to the business. Go hug someone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and our final Spitfire question. Um, so you guys have mentioned a bunch of resources that we can tap into, um, particularly women entrepreneurs. Are there any other resources or references on this topic that you can recommend? So I have three different resources. One um, is a book called Restaurant by the Numbers. I'm gonna do this more on a restaurant aspect. Um, restaurant by the Numbers is a great book to give you a basis of understanding uh, the financials. Um, Number two, if you want to open up a restaurant, Open Table. Um, this is not an ad for an Open Table for Open Table, but Open Table has a good guide on how to open a restaurant. And there's lots of ads within that document, but it's a really good um, guide on just like the basics that they've seen um, people need to understand and learn. And the third thing is um, I will be on a panel in New York um, for Restaurant High and Cherry Bomb about restaurant finance for women. And so that'll be in the beginning of March, and I'll find a link because there's a webinar aspect to it all, so people can participate from all over the place. Um, for myself, we, we've mentioned the concept of a minimum viable product MVP, so I would recommend that anyone thinking of starting a business goes to Eric Reese's book called The Lean Startup. Um, it's an essential reading for anybody uh, starting any kind of a business. Um, second of all, uh, for understanding your uh, how to raise money, uh, a website called Global Invest Her. Global Investor, but Global Invest H-E-R. Uh, run by a very good friend of mine, Anne Ravenona, an Irish woman who's lived in Paris for decades. Um, and uh, it's a brilliant platform that with resources, tools, and everything, uh, in interviews with both investors and women who've raised millions of dollars just to get insights on, on that. And last but not least, um, you know, Google the Inc. magazine article titled Six Essential Resources for Women Entrepreneurs. They're good ones. Awesome. Um, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Shelly and Elaine, that was just nuggets of brilliance. And we are very grateful that you're here. And thank you, Jordan, for being here, too. We pine for all of you. Um, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Um, we are here every other week broadcasting live from the Line Hotel with Full Service Radio. Um, you can access each of the episodes after they air at fullserviceradio.org or pineapplecollaborative.com slash radio. Uh, be sure to follow Pineapple at Pineapple Collaborative on Instagram. And if you have any suggestions on women we should feature or a topic to dive into, just send us a DM on Instagram or email us at hello at pineapplecollaborative.com. Thank you and have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.